page number 278, I am resolved. We'll sing verses 1, 3, and 5 together as we begin tonight. Page 278, sing out with me on the first. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's tonight trust you had a wonderful christmas and you've all eaten too much and so it's just good to move right now amen and uh, but glad you're here uh tonight and certainly good to have uh, robert and amber collison and their family uh with us tonight and uh, of course he pastors the ogallala baptist church in ogallala nebraska amen and they're probably all under snow right now amen but they got out alive amen so that's a blessing so I'm going to ask Brother Robert uh, Collison, of course, did a great job at our Vacation Bible School this year. And so I'm going to ask him to come and open us up in a word of prayer tonight. So, Brother Collison. Pray. Father, we do want to thank you that we have the, the liberty, the freedom to gather together in your house. And, uh, Father, it is such a, such a wonderful time to be here, to be able to sing to you, to be able to hear your word preached. It's something that... Obviously, it's taken place so many times in this past year, but it's a special time nonetheless, something that we ought not take for granted. And so while we're here, Lord, help us to, to, to be mindful, to not allow intrusive thoughts of the cares and the concerns that lie outside these walls to infiltrate our minds, but rather to just take the time to focus on this most precious, this most sacred thing of which we are a part, coming together in your house, hearing from your word. Lord, you're a good God to desire this kind of time with us. So help us to not squander it, but to be fully involved, fully invested in the moments here and now so that you can have your work, or have your liberty rather, to work in our lives for your honor and glory. We thank you for the love that you show us. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. 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 Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? I uh, did just want to mention a few uh, announcements and uh, things like that. Of course, this coming Sunday uh, is New Year's Eve, uh, and so I did just want to mention and remind you that we are having our regular 
uh, morning uh, regular uh, service time. So we'll have our regular uh, morning stuff, our men's prayer, our buses, uh, and then, of course, our Sunday school and uh, morning service. And then following the evening service, and we will still have our Bible study and our evening service, and then following our evening service that night, uh, there will be a linger longer over in the fellowship hall. And so if you'd like to come and uh, be a part of that, certainly want to encourage you to bring some finger foods and things like that, and we'll all have a good time uh, in the Lord. If you have kids in Faith Baptist School, don't forget about there are several things coming up next week, uh, January the 2nd. Our kids will be going back to school. That's on Tuesday. And then, of course, Friday night, uh, January the 5th, is our first series of, bas- of volleyball and basketball games. And we'll actually be hosting those, so they'll be here at home in the E.J. Watson Gymnasium. And that'll be, that'll be starting at 6 o'clock uh, in the evening. And then, of course, uh, January the 15th, uh, for Faith Baptist School, there is uh, no school. And then January 19th, there are also some more games uh, taking place. Also wanted to mention, too, don't forget about uh, ladies, there is a wedding shower for uh, Miss Sophie Meerhoff, who's getting married on February the 24th. And the wedding shower is January the 6th, which is on a Saturday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon over in the Fellowship Hall. And then lastly, wanted to mention this, the couples retreat, the Midwest couples retreat this year is February the 2nd and the 3rd, and that is at the Double Tree Hotel, not the Dollar Tree Hotel. I remember that one from last year, uh, the Double Tree Hotel, uh, and did want to mention this uh, because you need to sign up by January uh, the 7th, and the sign-up sheets is, are out there in the outer foyer, so if any of our married couples would like to go to that, uh, you do uh, need to sign up for that again by January uh, the 7th. All right, let's go ahead and get our prayer list out uh, tonight, and if you have a prayer request or anything like that, we'll certainly take those at this time. I did want to mention uh, just a few tonight, Uh, of course, for those that uh, haven't heard, uh, little Serenity Hardman uh, passed away on Christmas Day, and so she is with the Lord I've been thinking a lot here lately about the promise that uh, David uh, gives in the scriptures when his his son passed away, and uh, I will he he will not come to me, but I will go to him, and uh, what a blessing that is, and sure thankful that she is with the Lord. But do pray for that family. Certainly a very difficult uh, time there, and uh, pray for uh, Miss Melanie uh, Edler and Zodi. Good to see them tonight, uh, but do pray for uh, their their family. Uh, Also, if you would pray for several families still uh, traveling through the holidays. And then, of course, we just have a ton of sickness uh, that's been going around, a lot of stuff that's just been uh, everything from a stomach bug to COVID. We've covered all of it, I think. So, uh, But uh, do certainly continue to pray for uh, one another. Anybody have a prayer request uh, tonight or an update or anything like that as we go to the Lord in prayer? Brother Griffin? My goodness. Uh, 
Okay. All right. Let's remember uh, Brad Sullivan uh, in prayer mercy and uh, a lot of things going on there. So let's pray for him. Thankful the and the nephew, the great nephew's okay and okay. Praise the Lord for that. But let's pray for him tonight. Anybody else tonight? Okay, Miss Marie. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right, so let's pray for that procedure coming up next month, and that's January the 15th, right? And so let's pray for that eye procedure for Miss Marie Christian. Brother Don? Okay. Okay, praise the Lord for that. Yes. Okay. So praise the Lord we can take Brother Don's mom off. She's doing really good, and they made some decisions on that. But if you could add Mylon... Uh, Katanic. He was actually here with us uh, back at Thanksgiving time, I think. And so, but he has uh, stomach cancer, and so if we could pray for him, and I know he would appreciate that. So, okay, anybody else tonight have a prayer request or anything? No. Huh? You have three now. All right, Natalie's got three. I don't like it when she has these things I don't know about. Amen. But the Lord knows, amen. That's more important. Anybody else uh, tonight have a prayer request or an update or anything like that? Okay, let's have our men uh, come tonight and, uh, and certainly pray for these uh, things. And uh, don't forget, pray for the Dawson uh, family uh, that's going to be moving uh, next week. Of course, this coming Sunday is our last Sunday. Uh, with us, and I know little Kenley has been very sick, and so if you could pray for her as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Brother Steve Parker, would you pray for us tonight, brother?
it's Wednesday night. It's all right. Amen. Well, we're having a little home cooking tonight. Amen. And thankful that Faith Baptist Church has uh, seen uh, a lot of preachers come in and through our church. Certainly the Collisons, uh, uh, product of our Christian school and church before they went to Heartland Baptist Bible College. And, uh, and uh, so tonight we're going to do our missions report. And I asked if Brother Jack would uh, come and, and give us an update as to where they are at uh, on the uh, long deputation uh, trail. And so he's going to come tonight uh, just very quickly and do that. So Brother, Brother Parker, Jack Parker, why don't you come? Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, get to kind of give a report. Uh, it's been a very busy year. I uh, was just uh, texting with uh, some of the missionaries that we had met and stayed with when we were in Japan. So it's been nearly a year since we got started. January 1st was our first official Sunday on deputation. Uh, and since then, we've been in 70-plus churches, 23 states. If I get something wrong, my wife will correct me or something like that. Uh, probably 30,000-plus miles. to Japan they've ever had. Uh, so we've gotten to introduce Japan and the need there many times to different churches. Uh, for some, we were the, the first missionaries that they had had in 10 years or even ever in, in some of the smaller churches we were in. So the Lord's just really been good in allowing us to, to touch a lot of lives and see a lot of things. Uh, and we are now at 42%. It may be more now because Brother Robert just shared with me as we were coming in that uh, we were the official first missionaries supported by Ogallala Baptist Church. Uh, so I think that'll probably bump us up to about 43 uh, or so. So the Lord is just taking care of us so much. Uh, in just eight months, full-time deputation to be at 43%, uh, we, we're just so thankful uh, for what God has done. Uh, and as far as prayer requests go for our family, uh, as my dad mentioned in the offering prayer, we are heading out uh, very early Monday morning and heading out all the way to California, not all in one day. Uh, I can't take Jalen in the car that long, <laughs> but uh, we're making it a, a few-day trek there, uh, but heading all the way out to California for a missions conference, and we'll have a couple other churches out there, and then making our way back uh, towards some uh, good friends of Preacher and good friends of our church here, both Scott Nail and different preachers out in Arizona, uh, and then we'll work our way back uh, this way as February and March go on, but we have a nearly full schedule for next year, so Lord willing, about this time next year, we'll be preparing to fly over uh, to Japan if the Lord would just allow us to keep the support coming in as it has thus far. Uh, so that is what we're praying for, and we'd ask that you pray that way as well, and just pray for safety on the road. We have a couple really, really long days coming up, even just to, as we jump back in the deep end, so to speak, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, so just please keep us in prayer. We're sure thankful for uh, the phone calls and the, the letters and emails and texts and reaching out. And you never know the impact that you'll have on not even just our family, but any missionary, any preacher, to, to let them know you're praying for them. Just that little word of encouragement goes so, so far. So thank you for that. Thank you for your prayers and your support. We have sure enjoyed the rest time we've gotten to have for the last few weeks uh, during Christmas. And, uh, but, we're, but we're ready to get back at it too. Uh, and we're very excited and very honored uh, for what the Lord has called us to do. Uh, so thank you once again, and we will, uh, we'll be back 
pretty soon because we'll have a baby that needs to be born over there. Uh, and then you'll all get to meet her and everything. So we'll be back soon, but thank you so much. And then preacher, for there, some, for there, come on in. I didn't know who was next either, so I just do what I'm told. All right, let's all stand together and turn to page 527. Page number 527. <clears throat> the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. We'll sing both verses together tonight for our last song. Since I started for the kingdom, since my life he controls, since I gave my heart to Jesus, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows, the singing. Let's remain standing. Go ahead and get your Bibles ready for the message tonight. Amen. Thank you, Brother Eric. <clears throat> Amen. Well, take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to 1 Timothy and uh, chapter number 4 tonight. I was thinking earlier, we've been uh, just kind of in, you know, the Christmas time and all of that and, and of course celebrating the birth of our Savior and the messages kind of gear around the holiday, but there's no message that gears around the Wednesday night between Christmas and New Year's. All right, so we're just going to stick with where we've been at in our Wednesday night uh, series going through the pastoral epistles, and of course that deals with 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, as well as Titus, and these kind of give us an understanding of how churches are to govern themselves as Paul is writing these young men that he has trained for the ministry, and of course we know that Timothy has been left at the church at Ephesus to establish sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is healthy doctrine. And healthy doctrine produces healthy believers, all right? Now, if you remember, last week we started chapter number four, and we saw the warning of apostasy, but now we're going to see, we're going to see kind of the, the, the follow-up uh, to that as Paul has warned Timothy, he's laid out the pattern uh, that, that people are to be saved, 
that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I'm chief, Paul said. So that means this, if Paul can get saved, anybody can be saved. But then the pattern after that is that people would begin to live godly, begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and that the church would be the pillar and ground of the truth. But then look at verse number 1 of of chapter 4, because I want to kind of cover this, because it does deal with what we're going to look at tonight. Because here he's warning Timothy of things that are going to happen. He says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall... Depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. And then they come up with these silly rules like forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them, which believe and know the truth. I'm glad we got to have honey-baked ham for Christmas. Amen. Because here's why the Bible says we can eat those things. Now look at verse number 4. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. And here's the, here's the difference maker right here. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. All right? But now notice what happens here. All right? In verse number 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. But refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, Robert. Amen. So the guy always makes me jealous, man. I wish I could run as long as he could. All right? But it does profit, all right? For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having, the pro- having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer approach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. So, so here's, here's the thing tonight. Now, I want you to catch this. Paul has warned Timothy in those previous verses, this is what's going to happen. I'm laid out the pattern, and there's going to be people that are going to depart from the faith. Timothy, don't go in that direction. Stay with the Word of God. Be the pillar and ground of the truth. All right? But now, here's the thing. As people go that way, it's going to get discouraging. As people go that way, the truth is going to get heavier. So now what Paul is doing is, he is encouraging Timothy and and, and, and trying to just kind of enforce some things. And here's, here's how I titled the message tonight. What makes a good minister? What makes a good minister? Look down at verse number 6 again. He says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things... Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Timothy, if you'll just do these things, you'll be a good minister. Can I say to you tonight, we need more good ministers. But this isn't just about the preacher being a good minister because all of us need to be good ministers. Father, would you bless the preaching now? And I ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? The word minister in verse number six, and obviously this is what everything is kind of revolving around here in our text that we're going to look at tonight from verses six down through 11. But the word minister in verse number six is, is from, it is the Greek word diakonos, which is where we get our English word for deacon. Diakonos, deacon, you can see how it kind of comes together there. But be a fact, even that, you know, if you've been here for the studies or you know anything about 1 Timothy, then you know that back in chapter 3, Paul dealt with as he's dealing with Timothy there and he's to be, you know, leading the church at Ephesus and sound doctrine. He has, he has dealt with them on, on what the qualifications are for a bishop, but then also the qualifications of a deacon. And, and be a fact, if you go back and look at that, that word deacon there, that office, it's the same Greek word there. It's the same word that's used right there in verse number 6 for minister. It simply means this. It means to be a servant. That is what a deacon is supposed to be. But by the way, that's what a pastor is supposed to be. And the truth of the matter is, that's what all of God's people are supposed to be, is a servant unto the Lord. But this is what I thought about. If you look it up and you begin to study it, it literally means this. It literally means an attendant, a waiter. In other words, someone who serves tables, as in something like a, a restaurant or, or something like that. Now, now I don't know about you, but I'd venture to say that probably every one of us in here have been out to eat before. All right, some of you are like, no, I've never done that. All right, well, I have, all right. But, and I know this, all right, there is such a thing as a good waiter and there is such a thing as a bad waiter. There is such a thing as a good waitress and there is such a thing as a bad waitress. Okay, I'm just, you know, I, it, here's the thing. I want good service. I, unless you sign up for bad service, all right? And I'll give you an example of that. Years ago, uh, we, went to, we went to Disney World, and this was back before they came out and what they're trying to do with our young people and all of that. So I do want to clarify that tonight, all right? But we went to this place. It's called, it's called the Primetime Diner. And what it is, is the theme of it is, is that it's an old-fashioned uh, 50s type of, of diner and, and there, are, there are rules there when you eat like strict rules like things like you can't, you can't put your elbows on the table you know that was kind of back in the day you didn't put your elbows on the table you have to eat all your vegetables that's a bummer right there amen so the safe bet is don't order vegetables alright uh, you, definitely, you definitely cannot you cannot look at your cell phone at the dinner table that was a big, all right. So our, this was our first time going there, and I'm excited, thought it was awesome. My son kept drinking all of his soda. You know how kids are, and he was back, you know, and he's just chugging them down. And after about the third one, she started calling him camel. Man, you're like, you're a camel. Man, stop drinking all this soda, and, say, and it's great. And then I started pulling out my cell phone, and I'm taking pictures, and she's, anyways, I got in trouble over that one, had to put my cell phone up. And our waitress, actually, she actually took another man's cell phone from another table because he wouldn't put it up. He got in trouble. He lost his cell phone privileges for the rest of the night. There was another guy that had to stand in the corner because he got in trouble. I saw that, and I'm thinking, mercy, it's, you're paying for this. All right, now, now here's the thing. Now, that's all fun and all of that stuff. But I, listen, but you understand, that wouldn't be funny if I went to the Cheesecake Factory. You understand what I'm saying? 
If I pulled out my cell phone to take a picture of the cheesecake I'm about to eat and put it on Instagram so that I can make everybody else jealous and they come by and take my cell phone, I'm not going to be real happy about that. Or if I reorder a sweet tea and she calls me a camel. I'm just telling you, the tip's probably going to get... What, I, what I'm trying to get across to you tonight, Mercy, I don't, did y'all lose your sense of humor at Christmas? I don't know. But what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this is that just as you and I, would, we would say tonight, listen, I have things that, that, that to me would make a good waiter or, or a bad waiter. Well, let me help you with this tonight. God has things that make a good minister or a bad minister. And that's the idea of our text tonight. See, bad ministers are those that we saw uh, in, in the message from last week. They are, they are what he says in verse number one. They are seduced by false doctrine. They, they, they lead people against the, the Word of God. They go in a direction that, that is carnality and it has no rules or they go in a direction that is overbearing man-made rules that are not found in the Word of God. And I want to say to you tonight this, both of those directions are wrong. There's a ditch on both sides of the road. And so in light of that, what Paul does is he brings balance to what he said to Timothy and that this is the pattern I've laid out. This is where some men are going to go. But the idea here is that, Timothy, you can still be a good minister by doing these things that I'm giving you in, in, this, in this passage right here. here. Here's some of the things that, that he gives to Timothy. The first one is this. Look down at verse number 6 again. He says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine whereunto thou hast obtained. I, I would say this. A good minister is one that, is, that consistently preaches the Word of God. And that's, that's, that's what I get from, from this verse right here. And I want you to catch, I want you to catch two, two key uh, phrases or words or, or whatever you want to call it here. But the first one is when he says this, he says, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of, of these things, that phrase there, these things, that is a reference back to the previous verses where Paul has warned of apostasy. And, and in all of that, here's what Paul did. All right, you ready for this? Here's what he did. He exposed, he exposed the false doctrine in their day. He exposed the false doctrine in their day and their sources, Right? Because he said things like they're speaking lies and hypocrisy. They, they, they're forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. And, and really, that's from seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. That's because their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. But then also, Paul, Paul, Paul not, so not only did he expose the false doctrines of the day and their source, but then he made it clear he made it clear to Timothy how to show that these things are false doctrine. Look down at verse number 5. He said this, he said, For it is sanctified by the Word of God and prayer. So what he's saying here is this, Timothy, this is how you, this is how you expose false doctrine. You, you, you expose its source, but then you contrast it in the light of the Word of God. That's how you do it. Come on, that's, I'm just, boy, I'm just telling you, that's, you know, that's, that's what a good minister is supposed to do. You, you understand what I'm saying? I, I, listen, I can remember, I remember this. I, so I got saved in 1996 in, in, in Pensacola, Florida. 
at Victory Bible Baptist Church. And I'm very grateful that there were people that put good books in my, you know, in my hands uh, as I begin to grow in my faith. And, of course, our pastor, he's preaching and all of these things. And, and, and so there were some things that I was grounded in as, I, as God called me to preach. And, and we moved to Springfield, Missouri. And, I, listen, I definitely knew, you, you know, that we stood on the authorized King James Version of the Scriptures. I knew that. And I knew those kind of things. But I, there were other things that, that I needed to grow in and other doctrine and things like that. And one of the things that I was ever so grateful for was when we sat at Berean Baptist Church, Pastor Abel's, he would say this. He would say, he, he would do it like this. He would say, all right, now here's what we believe as a church body. And he would, he would, he would make the statement. And everybody would go, Amen. And then he would say, now, take your Bibles and turn right here to this. And, and he would read the verse. And, and, and this is what he'd say. He'd say, now, here's why we believe that. Because it was right there in the Bible. And I'm telling you, I just, I love that. I, I love that because it helped me to, to be grounded in, in my faith. And what Paul is saying is this to, to Timothy. is I mean, what he's just done in the previous verses is he's done exactly that. He said, Timothy, this is what is wrong. This is where they're going. But this is why we believe what we believe. It's in the Word of God. These things. Now, now so, so, so he says, you know, that's, that's, what a good, that's what a good minister does. Now, let me give you the other thing that I want you to see here in verse number 6. He says, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things. The word remembrance right there. The word remembrance is the idea of this, doing it repeatedly. Repeatedly. A good minister is not one that brings some new truth to the table. Be be a fact, that's probably a red flag. That's not good at all. Because there is no new truth. There's just the truth. You understand? So that's usually a red flag. A good minister is one that consistently and repeatedly preaches the Word of God and reminds God's people as to what is wrong, but then encourages them with what is right. You understand? Repetition of the Word of God is something that Paul practiced. He is now encouraging Timothy to practice. By the way, Peter also practiced it. And he encouraged men of God to practice it. Here's what he said in 2 Peter 1.12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them. Though ye know them and be established in the present truth. You may be sitting here tonight going, Preacher, I know this. Good, you're going to hear it again. You understand, friend. That, that, but here's the point. If men of God... Uh, if men of God today are to be good ministers, what Paul is saying to Timothy is this, you need to learn to do this as well, Timothy. You need to learn to expose that which is false in our day and time with the Word of God, and you do it over and over and over and over and consistently preach the Word of God. That's what he's saying. Now, now that we've laid all that out, let me deal with this. Be real careful about getting a disgruntled attitude towards repetitious and consistent preaching. I, I just heard a testimony a few weeks ago uh, from a preacher, uh, from a brother Gritz that was here with us and gave a testimony about a, a pastor 
that was pastoring outside of Springfield, Missouri and had to resign and, and from the pastorate. And, and here's why, because the people, because he, he was constantly preaching the Bible and trying to give the people doctrine, but they started complaining about it. We don't, we don't want doctrine. We, we, want, we want you to focus on the gospel and give us some encouraging messages. Well, we'll look, all right? And I, and I, get, I get all of that, but, but let me explain some things to you. For starters, the gospel is doctrine. But number two, refusing, re- refusing to learn the Bible and wanting your ears to be tickled all the time, that's, that's not Bible, that's a seducing spirit. You, you understand? That, and, and, and the reality is this, they're headed for disaster when a church gets that type of attitude. You're headed for disaster. Be careful that you don't take that attitude because... Listen, it's not only that churches have done that, but I've seen individuals do that as well, and they get disgruntled, and they get discontent, and they leave a good Bible preaching, Bible teaching church, and and they go somewhere where they get their ears tickled, and then six months down the road, I can promise you this, they're not better off for it. They're more worldly, they're more carnal, they're more distant from God. And and here's something else, and and I want you to listen to this tonight. In my years of ministry, I've learned this, that when someone is complaining about consistent preaching, it's usually because whatever the consistent preaching is on is convicting them. Well, all he does is preach about money. You know, the reality is I don't. It's just that some people hear what they want to hear. Because they have a love for money, which is the root of all it. Somebody get one. I remember one time I was pastoring. I started pastoring in Casper. I was just still wet behind the ear. Just started pastoring. Had a guy come up to me and he said, you aren't going to be like the previous pastor, are you? To which I did say no. But he said this. He said, all he did was preach on wolves among the sheep and wolves among the sheep and wolves among the sheep. And I got so tired of hearing about that. Did you know this? After a few months, I realized he was a wolf among the sheep. No wonder he got tired of it. Let me, let me help you with this tonight. In, 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 the, in this day and age, listen to this. In this day and age where false doctrines abound, and they are coming at us at every angle, whether it be social media or the internet or whatever. Listen to this. If we're going to be the pillars and ground for the truth that chapter 3 at the end of the chapter has called us to be, then the man of God must consistently preach the Word of God. And, and he must consistently call those things out and put them in the light of God's Word so that we can continually be assured of what is wrong in what is right and stand on what is right. When it comes to repetition and consistently preaching the Word of God, let me give you two simple truths here very quickly. Number one, repetition is the best way to learn. No, Listen, I don't know about your kids, but my kids did not learn something by hearing it one time. I would have liked to have had children like that. <laughs> they have to learn it by hearing it over 
and over and over again. Listen to this. It's no different with spiritual things. Now, notice what he says in verse 6. He says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Look at this. Nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. You know what? That, that's the idea. That is the result of repetitious preaching. It literally means this. To be nourished means this. It means to be filled. It means to be satisfied. It means to be healthy, sound, knowing what you believe and why you believe it. And please note this. That doesn't just apply to the man of God. That applies to all of God's people. It applies to every one of us. Now, no doubt, he's dealing with Timothy here. And it does apply to the man of God. That as he studies the Word of God and he preaches it over and over and over again. Son, you're talking about being nursed up and knowing what you believe and why you believe it. I'm just saying, when somebody wants to come into my office and argue about a doctrine that's in the Bible, it's not up for debate. I'm not going to, don't waste my time. Because I already know what's right. And if you're not willing to submit yourself to that, I'm not the problem, you are. But you understand, the more this, and I love, I love this, I love this. I was thinking about this. When Brother Tim Quinlan got up here, what was it, two Sunday nights ago. And, and, he started, and, he preached out of, and he was preaching out of 1 Peter again. And I love the testimony that he gave because he said this. He said that he, as he has been now in the teen department and having to study for the teens, and he's doing Genesis, and he's in the Gospel of John, and he's in 1 Peter, he said this, I am amazed at how the Word of God correlates all together. You know what that is? You know what that's an acknowledgement of? That's an acknowledgement that, man, this thing... Is an, is an incredible book. And the more that I get into it, and the more that I expose that which is wrong and preach that which is right, I am nourished. I am filled. I am strengthened. I am sound. All of those things. But at the same time, it does that for the people of God. Listen, I'm telling you right now, there are doctrines and things in the Scriptures that, that I didn't fully understand. But as the man of God continued to preach on them and continued to preach on them and continued to preach on them, I begin to learn them and learn them and learn them and learn them and learn them. And that's the same thing. Listen, that's exactly what I'm trying to do as the pastor of Faith Baptist Church to you because here's why. I'm not the only one that's going to face false doctrine. I'm not the only one that's going to have spiritual battles. I'm not the only one that's going to, that, that's to be the pillar and ground of the truth. I'm not the only one that's going to watch people depart from the faith. You are as well. And you need to know what is right. And you need to see that which is wrong being exposed and have, it, have the Word of God, the light shed upon it from the man of God so that you can see what is wrong and what is right and be encouraged to stay with what is right. The man of God consistently preaches the Word of God. But let, 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 me, let me help you with this. See, repetition is not only the best way to learn. Did you know this? Repetition gives, gives opportunity for others who may not know to learn. I don't realize if you understand this tonight, but you are not the only person in this church. I say that sarcastically, but I say that with truth and love. But because, listen, every person, every person that's in here tonight is at different stages in their spiritual growth. Do you realize that tonight? There, there are people in this room tonight that are safe, and, and some have been safe for a, a small amount of time, some, some maybe a long period of time, or, or been in church for uh, their whole life, or whatever. Everybody has a different background, is in different stages of their spiritual growth. So that means this. There are some here tonight that are mature in the faith, 
And they know what they believe and why they believe it. And a lot of this stuff tonight, they're going, I've heard this, I know this, I believe this. And that is great. And praise God for that. But there may be some in here tonight that are going, I've never heard this. This is incredible. And you know what your opportunity is? Here's what your opportunity is. So instead of sitting back and going, I just, I'm so sick of hearing about this. And complaining and griping and going, why can't he, why can't he do something? I need some encouraging tonight. Well, great, I do too. But, but you're not the only one here. So, 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 so here's the thing. Instead of having that spirit and that attitude, have a little patience. Have a little grace. All right? And here's the other thing. If you need encouragement, then the mature believer knows I need to go to God and get encouraged, encouraged myself in the things of God. But, but here's the thing. But here's the other thing. Here's the second thing you need. So number one, have a little patience. But number two, here is your opportunity to go, amen. Because you know what you're saying? You're saying, so be it. You're saying, I agree. You know what you're doing? You're giving testimony to those who don't know these things that I'm not the only crazy person in here that believes the Bible. You're saying, hey, I, he's not the only guy. I believe it too. I believe it too. It's a repetition. It's how we learn. Now, here's, here's the second, you, want, you know, to be a good minister. So he's got to consistently preach the Word of God. But now look down at verse number 7. Because there's something else. And I believe this, he's to be consecrated unto God. He says, so he goes on and says, now Timothy this, these are the things you do if you're going to be a good minister. Thou shalt be a good minister. You put the brethren in remembrance of these things, be nourished up, nourish them up. But then in verse number 7, he says, But refuse profane and wives' fables, and exercise thy, thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profit a little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and that and of that which is to come. So, so, so here's the idea. What good does it do to know the Word of God but not live it out in your life? You understand? That, that's what these verses are about here. A good minister must practice what he preaches. He must be consecrated unto God. And obviously the word that's emphasized here in these two verses is the word, the term godliness. And of course you go back to chapter 2. That was the highlight there as, as Paul was dealing with Timothy there as he goes to the church at Ephesus to teach men to be godly men and women to be godly women. Well, now we see now we see that the man of God is to have godliness in his life. Rightly so. Godliness means, means holiness. Like they're synonymous with one another. It's the idea of being consecrated, to be set apart. For the use of God in, in his life. Godliness, and I think, think that you would agree with me here. Godliness is about putting away that which is wrong in our lives. But then also putting in that which is pleasing unto God. Okay? So, so now remember, now think about this. Paul has left Timothy at the church at Ephesus. So I want you to hold your place there in 1 Timothy and I want you to go back with me to the book of Ephesians, which was written to the church at Ephesus. And go with me to Ephesians in chapter number 4. I want to show you something real quickly. Ephesians chapter number 4. Okay, so here's what he says. 
We're going to do a little kind of contrasting here, Bible study here. I want you to see this. In Ephesians chapter 4, and look down at verse number 22. So here's the way Paul illustrates it to the church at Ephesus. He says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So, so no, now notice, now watch this. Now key in on this. It starts here, doesn't it? Come on, it starts here and here. It's what the idea is. You, your inner man, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which is after God, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. All right? So, so, so hold your place there, all right, and go back with me to, to 1 Timothy in chapter number 4 here. And so just kind of keep your, you know, your hangy-downy thingy or whatever it is and mark your places here. And I'll, I'll just kind of contrast here. But I think it's key that you understand. So it starts with this renewing of your inner mind, being saved, submitting your heart, your life to, to the control of the Spirit of God, putting off the old man, and then putting on the new man, which is after God, uh, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. All right? Now, look down at verse number 7 of 1 Timothy chapter 4. So he says, Refuse profane and wise old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Okay? So now stay with me. You all, you all right? I know we're all in kind of like a honey-baked ham coma here, but stay with me here. You're coming out. I can see it. You're coming out. All right? So, so now watch this. Godliness is about putting away that which is wrong and putting in that which is right. But godliness, please listen to this, is also determined by the Word of God. It's determined by the Word of God. We say, well, why do you, why, why do you bring that up? Be well, that's because Paul's bringing it up right here. You, you understand when he says, but refuse profane and old wise fables, that the first part of that verse is a reference back to that false doctrine that Paul had been dealing with in the previous verses. And the reason for this is to get the message across to Timothy that godliness is not determined by those things that that, that abstaining from meat and, and marriage and all of that, godliness is determined by doing what the Word of God has to say. That's what godliness is determined by. If you want to truly be godly, it doesn't start with abstaining from meat and marriage. It starts with the inner man first. It starts with getting your heart right with God. It starts with humility and brokenness and prayer and seeking the face of God. And then you begin to put things out of your life and uh, that are those things that are unpleasing unto God, and then put the things that God says to in your life. Okay, well, what does that consist of? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Hopefully you held your place there. And look at verse 25. So here's what he says. He says, wherefore, put away lying. There you go. Speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for your members one of another. So put away lying, speak the truth. Is everybody getting that? Look down at verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. So don't steal, 
Get a job. Boy, that'll preach in America. Look down at verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the ears. Stop cussing. Well, it's just a word. No, it's, it's an ungodly word. Put it out of your mouth. Put godly communication in your, in your mouth. Well, I'm just telling you. Look down at verse 31, 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor. See, now you had to go to meddling. And evil speaking put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Did you catch that? Please, please listen to this. Did you, notice, did you notice those things? It's about putting out certain things and then putting in certain things. But also, it's about these things. It's not about abstaining from, from marrying, forbidding to marry, or abstaining from meats. Is anybody getting that? Because here's the thing. What good does it do not to eat pork, but you're a liar? And you have a filthy mouth. That's speaking lies and hypocrisy. What good does it do to remain unmarried, but yet you're filled with bitterness or malice or you're a thief or whatever the case may be? Do you see what I'm saying? And again, it's hypocrisy. What what he's saying is this. Let the Bible determine our godliness, not old wives' fables, not traditions of men and nonsense. It's interesting. Look at verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Y'all okay? Still got a few minutes left. Still got. Just bear with me. I'm almost done. About 30 more minutes. Look at verse number 8. The verse I've been dreading. For bodily. (laughs) Amen. Everybody's like, I'm not, after this, I'm not doing New Year's resolutions. Amen. No more. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having, prom- having promise of life of the life that now is and that which is to come. And I wanted to skip this part in my notes, but I have heard a lot of overweight preachers use this verse out of context. But Paul wasn't dismissing the idea of bodily exercise altogether. All right? In fact, I have found that bodily exercise does does profit in ministry some. I just need to do it. But here's the thing. All right? Focus here just for a minute. So here's the thing. Bodily exercise doesn't profit the ministry as much as godliness does. And what Paul is saying here is this. Okay? So here's the idea here. Godliness is about putting away that which is wrong and putting in that which is right. Right? So that's number one, that's determined by the Word of God. But here's the second thing. It requires discipline. Because here's the thing. See, see, you understand? What Paul is saying here is that the same discipline that athletes use to keep themselves profitable for their sports 
is the same discipline necessary for the child of God to live godly. Did you hold your place there in Ephesians chapter 4? I accidentally let mine go. But go back with me there really quickly. Because I actually left something out on purpose. You see, I read, I read verses, verse 25, but I didn't read verses 26 and 27. Notice what it says. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. But notice this, neither give place to the devil. Now skip down to verse number 30 that I also skipped. Because here's what else it says. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed into the day of redemption. You know what he's saying? He's saying this, that if you and I want to put away that which is, which is unpleasing unto God and put the things that are, that are pleasing unto God in our life, then it's going to require us to make a decision. That we're going to have to choose and we're going to have to decide not to give in to our flesh and give place to the devil and not to grieve the Spirit of God, but rather submit ourselves to the Spirit of God in our lives. And you know what Paul's saying to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4? In essence, he's saying the same thing. That Timothy, if you're going to live godly in your life, then it's going to require discipline. Godliness is not going to come naturally to you. You're going to have to decide. You're going to have to choose Listen, it, 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 godliness is that which requires us to make a decision. It is the discipline, is the root word. Uh, the root word of it, it, it comes from disciple. Because in essence, we are making the decision to deny our flesh and to follow the Christ that saved us, and that requires discipline. To make those decisions, it requires discipline. It's just the simple truth of the matter. Not trying to make it fleshly or anything tonight, but the reality is if you and I are going to walk in the Spirit and live unto God, it's going to require discipline. It requires discipline to get up every day and read your Bible and pray. It requires discipline to be in church services, even on a Wednesday night when your flesh is saying, I don't want to be here, and you go, nope, we're going. It requires discipline to tithe. It requires discipline to give to missions. It requires discipline to serve the Lord in some capacity or whatever. It simply requires discipline. That's the reality of the matter. The, the reality is this. God does require us to remove some things from our lives and put some things in our lives. And, and, and marriage and me, that ain't it. That, that's not the idea here. It, it's the things found in the Word of God. And if we truly seek to be godly in our lives, then we are going to have to have the discipline in our lives to choose those things over the flesh. Now look down at verse number 9, because really this is part of it. He says this. This has been a common phrase throughout 1 Timothy. Every time Paul gives a truth, he follows it up with this, and he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. And you know what? I've got to be honest with you. I love that it follows this up right here. Because when Paul makes this statement, what he's saying is this, Timothy, this can't be disputed. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. You know what he's saying to Timothy? Timothy, this, is all, this has already been proven down through the ages. You're not going to write the new, a new book on this. 
You, Timothy, you cannot, you cannot live worldly and still be used of God. Doesn't work that way. You have to be consecrated. But Timothy, it's not about forbidding to marry and abstaining from meats. It's about doing the things that God has said to do in His Word. That's what you're to do. Now let me give you the last thing. Look down at verse number 10 tonight. In verse number 11. He says, For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially those that believe. He's the Savior of everybody here tonight. But He's only your Savior and you're saved if you put your faith and trust in Him. But, but here's the idea tonight. And of course it ends with these things command and teach. And what I would say to you tonight is this. If Timothy's to be a good minister, then he's got to consistently preach the Word of God. And he's got to be consecrated unto God. But here's the last thing. Everything has, and everything has to center around the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. I don't li- Listen, I don't want to live consecrated tonight to try to be saved. I live consecrated tonight because I am saved. I don't want to be try- I, I'm not trying to be consistent in the Word of God to try to earn myself. I want to be consistent in the Word of God because I'm saved and, and because th- these are the things that Christ did in His life. He, he gave the Word of God and He lived holy and consecrated unto God. And that's what a good minister is to do. Now let me give you two things tonight and I'm done. Here's the first thing. When you have a pastor that is doing his best to keep things centered on Jesus Christ, and he's trying to live godly and consecrated in his life, and he's consistently preaching the Word of God to you, that's called being a good minister. And when you have one of those, the best thing you could do for him is to support him, not complain against him. Encourage him and his family. Pray for him and his family. Love him and his family. Be a friend. Be his friend in the ministry. Listen, we got enough bad ministers in our day and time. we got enough bad ones that are going around and doing damages to our churches. Be, when, when you get a good one, when you have a good one, cherish it. And be thankful and encourage them in the, in the Lord. Now, here's the second thing, and I'm through. Don't forget that you're called to do the same things. You're called to be a good minister. You're called to live a consistent life. You're called to preach a consistent message to those around you. You're called to live godly and consecrated unto the Lord. And you're called to center the gospel, center your life around the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know for me, i got to ask myself tonight, am I being a good minister? And that's the question to me tonight, not to you. Because I don't stand and give an account to you. i got to give an account to Him one day. But the question for you tonight is this, are you being a good minister? What about you tonight? Let's all stand.